0: So I'd love to introduce our panelists today. Uh, we've got Jenny Gold, who is the director of the award-winning documentary, sinability The Art of Inclusion, and the soon to be released film, Tiger, starring Mickey Rourke. Uh, and we want Day al Mohammed, a founding member of, I'm sorry, what? Oh, no, I saw, sorry, I thought I heard something. Uh, I'm losing my mind. Um, uh, Day al Mohammed, uh, the founding member of forward deck, the documentary Filmmakers with Disabilities, and the recent documentary about a little known regiment of disabled soldiers in the Civil War, the Invalid Corps. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Um, you.
1: Super excited about this.
0: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Uh, I'm really excited to have you guys. Um, So uh, let's just kind of dive right in. so you guys are both uh, documentary filmmakers. What um, can you just kind of give us a a little bit about um, some of your work, just so people who don't know it um, can know a little bit more about you. Um, State. why don't you start?
1: Sure. Uh, I actually, um I, I my regular life actually spent 15 years as a lobbyist and a policy advisor in Washington, DC, working on disability issues. And, and anybody who's dealt with lobbyists and policy, you know, a lot of that's just people making stuff up, right? <laughs> so um, yeah. what I found in my free time is I did like making stuff up and I started writing fiction. And then from, from there, I started looking at, um, I, I wrote some books, uh, a couple of fictional pieces. Um, and then I, I found um, uh uh, uh, and I should start writing for film, but then I found this story, um, and and it was about um, you know everybody knows the story of the Civil War, right? I mean we we've seen it for years and years. Thank you, Ken Burns. Um, yeah. You know, and and we all know, oh oh, so many men died, and so many were amputees, and oh gosh, it's awful how many people got disabilities. Nobody ever asked what happened to those folks afterwards, right? That's and the. Asked- And the fact was they were so low on manpower, right, during the Civil War, that rather than send them home, they created entire regiments made up of people with disabilities. So not just one. There were 23 separate regiments. We're talking over 40,000 men with disabilities were put into these regiments and actually did amazing work. See, you hear that story? You're going to want to make a documentary, too, aren't you? I want to make like
0: forty movies about this. I don't know why there's not one. Well, your documentary, which everyone should
1: be excited to see. So we have one. So there need to be a lot more folks. You hear that out there? I mean, gotta start somewhere, right? <laughs> it's prime uh, territory, and so, and that's that's where I got started. In this, all of these stories that are are left untold, and that's where where I got excited. So, um, I, I spent uh, about what's it, five years, a good long time, um, doing a lot of original research, pulling this together. We made a fantastic. Um, I have a great team. I love them so much. Um, a twenty-eight minute film um, that um, that recently will be screening on Alaska Airlines. Yay! Um, and uh, on uh, public television uh this fall so so that's kind of the the first big documentary and i think like everyone else we have all these little things that we do for fun to keep us going but that's um that would that would be me i'm also one of the four founding members of forward doc so fwd doc which is documentary filmmakers with disabilities and that's with um jim Labret uh from crip camp um Alyssa namias uh from unrest and lindsey dryden um from trans in america so it's it's all four of us came together and so if if you make documentary films and you have a disability, come join us. We have a Facebook group. We have a Google Google group. And it's just a chance to kind of talk and share and basically kind of advocate together and also lift each other up. You know, that sounds awfully similar to your mission as well. So share it. Dave, could you put a link to your um website in the chat so that people can go if they want to? I can. Uh, just to warn folks, anything on the, the chat, I'm going to be a little slow about because I tend to use a screen reader and I can't. I can't quite juggle it. I
0: can totally put it in if you want. Um, it's just uh I'll just, just wait to until you talk to somebody else. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Um well I'll figure it. we'll figure it out. We'll get a link we'll get in there, out. no problem. We'll definitely Enjoy. get it in there so you guys can go uh and uh join. Uh so Jenny, can you tell us a little bit about your journey to uh become oh an award winning documentary filmmaker?
2: There's a mic there we go. go. Mike's back up. Um, Yeah, you know, I went to film school and had an uh, award-winning student Emmy that led to a feature film, but I was primarily narrative-driven, and I still am, uh, figure that I'm a narrative filmmaker. uh, a goal was to become a director member of the DGA, which I did, and focus primarily on narrative storytelling. I didn't consider myself a documentarian until I started doing this one. And it came about because some friends had read an article about me um, in the LA Times, you know, female director in a wheelchair kind of article. And they said, we got a great idea. We want to come over and pitch you. And they came to my house and they said, uh, we think we want to do a documentary about you. And I said, no, <laughs> what are you going to do? Follow me around. I mean, uh, that's not a, if you want to do something on disability, you know I have a great idea. Why don't you do it on the history and how disability has been, tra- has been portrayed in film in in the media over the decades? And I, I know a lot of people I could help you. You know, and and they said, well, that sounds like a lot of work. I think we're gonna pass. <laughs> and I said, well, uh, just so you know, I might do it one day. And then I kind of put it in the back of my filing cabinet and forgot about it for a while. And then I had a friend come over to our office at universal and just kind of like help us He's a publicist to look at our stuff and kind of give us some direction of which things we should be focusing on. And he found this uh, idea and he said, why aren't you doing this? Like who else is going to do this if you don't do it? Because I love film and I love old films. I love film history. And uh, well, we just premiered on uh, Turner classic movies with uh, a The Art of inclusion. And it was, Fantastic because I, I kinda fit well with them because I love classic film and and uh the channel and I, I watch it all the time. So going to Atlanta and being with Ben Makowitz for two days was a lot of fun. But it also allowed you know, more audience to see the the picture. But uh I since I wasn't used to documentaries, I didn't know you know, people would ask how long it took and I would hesitate because it seemed like it took a long time and that was bad. And then other documentary people were like, no, that's good, the longer it takes. Cause it took over 10 years, which is crazy. But uh, it, it, the feature, you know, it was just like we would meet someone else that would lead us down another road and we could get to another celebrity. And so it wasn't a you know, a full-time thing. You would stop and start, someone was available. So you would grab the team and go out and shoot them, you know, kind of a thing. But uh, I I don't know if you remember the um, the kids' program Lamb Chop, but they had a song that's like the song that never ends. It goes on and on. That's kind of what this film is. It's the film that never ends. Um, we keep talking about it. it keeps winning awards. People want to enter it in other things, and it's already been distributed. You know, and and yet I'm I've just notified by the um, actually they might know about this. It's the State Department has a American film showcase and they wanted cinemability cinemability the art of inclusion in it for this year so actually tomorrow at 9 a.m we have an orientation and normally they fly you around to like 90 countries or something but now because of uh covid we're like zooming around or whatever but uh which is kind of going to be fine uh so yeah so i um really still consider myself a narrative filmmaker. I have a film that I shot before COVID, which I did, you know, working for Cinemability for so long and uh, a message that's important yet fun, um, you know, was serious. So I needed something goofy. So I did a a narrative about uh, killer cockroaches that attack a college campus Sure. called oh, roach and so we're in post on davinci resolve um yes back black magic plug yeah which i have transferred everything some wasn't done on that and uh kept us on an old system for a while but um but we're happy to be on black magic now and uh yeah so that narrative is in post and since then i've just to try it i did a short that I directed on Zoom to see what that was like. Um, and that's almost done now. It's again through post. Um but I, I must say that I do like documentary. Uh you know, I am inquisitive by nature and I like talking to people and getting them those moments, those aha moments when they say something that you were hoping they would say and and then they did. Like I remember um Marley Matlin. I really wanted to find out about how she felt. She had a lot of backlash when she uh, won the Oscar. The people thinking it was a pity vote, and I was hoping she would talk about it. And and sometimes people are nervous when you first start interviewing them. They, especially in mine, because they were you know they didn't want to be politically incorrect or anything. And then once they realized I was just a filmmaker, they wanted to tell a good story. And I loved film and film history. They opened up and spilt their guts and I got some really great like uh, sometimes when they say something you're like oh I just got that on film that's great so uh, I do like it it's it's fun and I am uh, actually working on a Marilyn Monroe I know you've seen a million Marilyn Monroe docs but uh, th- there's something new that's popped up that is kind of fun uh, that I might do a doc on so yeah so that's
0: so exciting well, that, that kind of takes us into um, my first question. And like, you know, how do you think that disability, the, the way that disability has been portrayed over the course of time, how do you think, um, do you think we're in a better place now? And how do you think that we've come a far way or have, are we kind of just gone a little tiny bit forward and we've got a long way to go? What kind of, where, where are we at in the narrative right now?
2: um uh, me or day. Uh Jenny, why don't you start? This is your uh, uh, this is your wheelhouse. Well, you know, when I started the doc, um that was kind of our thesis that um surely over the decades portrayals have improved, right? And uh that's what I thought would happen, you know, from the silent pictures and you know it would, it would just get better and better each time as we got more enlightened. However, that's not the case unfortunately. Um, There's films, you know, the year Million Dollar Baby won the Academy Award, it was up against Ray. Now, Ray is a true story about a man who overcomes racism, overcomes drug addiction, becomes hugely successful and powerful in a time when he shouldn't have. Um, And, over, you know, it's a true story. And he had a disability, but he was amazing. Uh, That didn't win to a fictional story about a woman who breaks her neck and although she's a fighter and a tough chick that that can do anything, the moment she loses her physicality, she wants to kill herself. Um, But you could say, well, that was a long time ago, but then not that long ago, me before you came out. And it had the same premise. This guy was gorgeous and he had a beautiful girlfriend. He was rich, but he couldn't move anymore. So he wanted to kill himself. And it's a, it's a story that is a stereotype that we've been telling so many times over again. And, 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 and it's, it's appalling, actually, because I worry about the person who on Friday night, maybe the football player or the cheerleader that uh, becomes disabled uh, during an accident and they wake up and the last movie they've seen uh, paints a picture that isn't reality. Because reality, you have a full life despite any uh, obstacles that you're facing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the fact that those narratives are still so prevalent in our media is just astonishing that you would really have any films that would just tell a group of people that they're not worthy of living is such an extreme problem. Um, I know we have other narratives that are also problematic, but that one just seems just so insane. Um uh Dave, what do you what do you think?
1: So yeah, oh I'm like, yes, yes, yes. It, I I I love um Jenny, what you had to say, but it because I love your enthusiasm. Uh, right? I need to right? take you um, everywhere I go. I know, right? God, like a hype man. <laughs> but I mean we're here because we, we make movies we love movies this is a a, a a passion right um and but it also means we acknowledge the importance and value and impact that 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 film has on culture right so if you don't know people with disabilities if you don't hang out with them and you don't know the value and importance and the great time and and horrible you know things we get up to right your only knowledge and experience is what you see in film and if film is showing us that people with disabilities lives are not with, with have no value, then then and I, I can and and this is a tough thing. I will draw a straight line to the to the medical industry's response to COVID, to the legal responses to yeah. COVID. There are lawsuits taking place now to stop um, uh, medical providers from saying, "Ah, this person's got a disability. We're not going to treat them because it's happening." Yeah. And and these are people who actually have very good chances of surviving, but they're being refused treatment because because society at large has been taught. And and in some ways, unfortunately, through film, that this is what it means to have a disability. So so I mean, we want to talk about impact of film. Right there is one. Uh, but but uh, but I don't want to just stick to the one storyline because I think I think Jenny hit on the head, which is the biggest thing is when it comes to disability and documentary in particular, there are specific stories that are told. That's one. The other is the. Oh, I had this horrible thing happen to me. Oh, what was me? But now I've overcome it. And now I'm, I don't know, I'm an Olympian. I've climbed a mountain. I have gotten married. I'm like, you know, you, you, we can tick the boxes. Um, yeah. the problem is, uh, isn't just that, uh, not just, we don't see people with disabilities. it's that disability can only exist in these few boxes. And, um, and, and that's why, and when you don't see them, I'm like, wait, 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 what about these other stories? That would be like super great. Um, but the, the, as far as uh, as a change, it's still only okay to sell, tell certain disability stories or the stories that tend to lean a little more towards spectacle. Like some of the ones that are, um, like like I, I haven't seen it and I haven't wanted to see it, which is the whole, I think it's a, it's about dating and while blind. And I'm like, that might be cool and interesting, but at the same time I feel a little it feels a little spectacly. Then again, it, I mean, if people want to watch Housewives of Potomac, I'm like, who am I to stop it? So yeah. so, so, there is yeah. But uh, I, yeah, like, I, I like I think, yeah, no, you, you've totally
0: kind of said everything that we're all thinking in that, in that um, we only have five stories that people want to see. And more than that, those stories seem to be for able-bodied people to feel better about being around disabled people, because look how great your life could be, so much worse, or uh, you're in, like you're inspiring me. Like uh, we're not we're not here to inspire you. We're here to be humans and live lives, and you our lives and, and our stories are very are valid and interesting and and. Uh, I don't know. I just I think that you you totally described it exactly. we We only kind of fit in four boxes, and it's our you know it's our job too, as filmmakers to kind of open that horizon a little bit.
2: That's why I like what the uh, Peter and Bobby fairly do with their films, mm-hmm. and they got a lot of flack for it because it's a comedy, and they've got some guy who's walking on his hands. Um, he, they they have great hearts, the guys and they see someone and they put them in the background, they put them in a little part, they put them they had Danny Murphy, a friend of theirs, a friend of mine, uh who played able-bodied three times to kind of turn uh turn the tables on the casting situation where able-bodied people uh often play people with disabilities. But um they're yeah, they are doing things. I think the actors, what they're looking for is just to be included, to have parts where it's not a inspirational story and it's not a horrible story. They're just part of the 20% of the population. Yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, as an actor, I just want to be a character who has depth and is fun to watch. I mean, I you know, as a comedian, I want to just make people laugh. I don't <laughs> need to, you know... I don't need to inspire you. Um, uh, anyway, um, so what kind, of, what kind of storylines, and we talked just a little bit about just now, but what kind of storylines and, and narratives do we think we want to see? You know, we talk so much about the bad ones and, and it's very easy to talk about those because they're so prevalent. But what kind of things, I think, for young filmmakers coming up, what kind of things should they be focusing on? Jay, um, why don't you start this time?
1: Oh, anything you want? I mean, (laughs) I I think that the thing is, um, the the things like Me Before You and the overcoming stories, they wouldn't be as painful uh, to us to watch, I think, if there are 700 other films at the same time. Sure. Right? It'd be just one among many. So I I guess mine would be uh, folks make the stories that they want to make and, 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 I, I, and so I guess that would be mine, would be see more break out of the box. What kinds of stories um, would depend on their interests? Like mine are all going to right now are probably going to be more history related because I'm a big old history nerd. So I'm all about, um, you know, the invalid core. I'm all about um, uh, putting together the story of Governor Morris, which if you have never heard of him, he's one of the big old founding fathers. Right, and everybody thinks founding fathers with their starch jackets and their little white wigs. I'm like, let me tell you, you know what this who this guy is? This guy was a playa. Mm. So he had his wife, and then he had a mistress, then he had this girlfriend, that girlfriend. He was missing a leg, and the story was he he lost his leg in a cart accident. No, he lost his leg jumping out of a second story window because an angry husband was chasing him down because he was having a good time with his wife. What? Right and referred to as the penman of the constitution. I'm like, this is a guy with a disability, major influence on this entire country. Instead, we get the starchy founding father. No, I wanna hear about the guy who was a playboy way back to when. That- 100%. Did he hang out with Ben Franklin? I feel like they I, would have a good old
0: time together. Kind of makes
1: you wonder, right? But he, yeah. did, he did go to Paris also and have the same kind of good time. So you never know. Yeah. Um, but a buddy the- comedy with that guy and Ben Franklin, where, where is that movie? <laughs> yeah, that, you know, yeah. Ooh, that, that would that yeah, would be where they meet up and like what happened, and I'm like, yeah, that's the hangover. Only way back only when. Only
0: in in olden
1: times. There we go. Um, <laughs> so I, I, you know, it's finding those kind of stories where it's well, it's a disability story, but it's not about the disability. It's about this guy having <clears throat> having a good old time, and I think that's it's finding out what interests you and then going that that route, um, okay. and and that way it, it has that original. Um, feel to it. And I think that's the difference it makes when you have people with disabilities who aren't just consultants, because at least now, because of the diversity push, everybody's like, we should get a consultant. I'm like, consultants don't necessarily have power. They don't have editorial power. They can't say, don't do that storyline. That's awful. Right? Right? You should have people telling their own stories. And, um, and I think that's a, one of the biggest key things is to encourage and, and empower people to do that. So I'm going to pause and punt it to uh, Jenny. Like, I'm sure you have a lot more to say on that.
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, I think the more stories we tell that are interesting that are of, you know, people, whether they're real or fictional, but just that they're not stereotypical, you know, that they're three-dimensional, that they're not uh, the same way, you know, that we've seen in, in other minority groups. We need to to have a seat at the table. And a lot of that will will happen if we get more filmmakers that have disabilities and and understand, you know, more uh, so that nothing about us without us kind of a thing. Um, you know, when I first went to film school, like, you know, I double majored so I had RTV uh, classes and in the control booth where you had to do live switching and part of the, you know, testing and stuff I had a stair. So they had to put a ramp. But I felt like everywhere I went, I was like making people put ramps in and, you know, um, kind of trailblazing. But uh, hopefully the people after now, uh, and, you know, a lot of it's because of the equipment, the changes, you know, we have 4K camera capabilities in our phones, which is insane, right? And everyone, there's really no excuses. You know, when I was, doing it, you had to have a 16 millimeter camera and film and you had to process it, you know, it was a lot harder. Um, so now, um, it makes it easier to tell your own stories, but it always comes down to what's on the page. You know, is it a good story? You know, is it something that people want to, you know, spend two hours of their life, uh, watching, you know, and I think that, um, you know, there was a film that I just loved. Um, what was the film about the women that went to uh, NASA? Uh, shoot, what's the title? Oh, I'm, like, Hidden Figures? Wait, what? Hidden Figures? Hidden Figures, thank you. I, I know the that I loved, both
0: times, That was pretty impressive.
2: I, I love the film. I, You know, it was a fantastic film. And there's a scene at church, um, like a church picnic. And... They don't have anyone there, who like maybe has a limp or, you know, um, has a seeing eye dog or you know nobody in a disability. And the film was about you know kind of inclusion and a, a really great story. And it's like, they could have just had someone in the background because I, I always tell the story about, um, um, you know, Jurassic Park uh, recently did one. There was like a theme park. And when you go to a theme park, you're going to see someone in a wheelchair. You're going to see some people with a disability somewhere, right? So we were just fighting for our right to be attacked by pterodactyls like everybody else. Because, I mean, even Jimmy Buffett has a cameo. But but nobody with a disability, it's not reality. Right. And, and it doesn't hurt, you know, um, growing up one of the films I loved was one of the Friday the 13th that had a a boy who was a teenager like everybody else. He was making out like everybody else. And he got an ax to the head like everybody else. And that was cool for me because it wasn't a inspirational porn. It wasn't, you know, something that made me cringe. It was just a regular guy. So that's what I'm hoping that you know more opportunities for actors, but also, you know, better stories being told that can, um, can, like, like, like they said. You know, if you don't have someone in your life with a disability, it's unfamiliar, right? So, if more people with disabilities are writing stories, you know, that are not stereotypical, then, then we'll have a bigger impact and uh, get involved in the film business. Right now, I think I'm the only. I know the only female wheelchair user at the DGA. Um, Not that a lot of women are directing anyway, so that's a problem (laughs) alone, you know? That's its own issue. um, But then when you add on other things, you know, people are like, I read an article once that said, I'm sorry about casting an actor, I don't remember what the show was, but they didn't want to use someone with a disability because they might get tired. And I'm like, I've heard that. I know, I'm sitting in a wheelchair. I you know, I, could, I could go like more than anybody else because I'm not running around. <laughs> exactly. could, my my battery will go you know, further than they will. You know, yeah. I do 18 hour days, so what are you
1: talking about? Yeah, um, that, that does bring up the point of the fact that does the, does the film and the documentary industry have unrealistic expectations, right? You have to start as a, as a PA and work your way up and do the run for coffee, do 80 hours a week. I'm like, this is bullshit. Yeah. It doesn't make a better film when you have everybody exhausted.
2: Right. Well, so you know, I learned quickly uh, in film school that I wasn't going to take that route. That I wasn't going to be a PA. You know, I did internships and stuff, but in publicity and other things. And um, I started writing so that I would control my material. That I could hire myself as a director because I owned the material. Um, So you had to become a producer and a and a writer. You know, um, and I edited for other people, so I became an editor because I was just, uh, you know, good at it. So, so yeah, you end up wearing a lot of different hats. But, you know, the more we can encourage uh, young folks to, to come up in the business, you know, when I first went to film school, there was a somebody at the university, like, counselor, that said, you know, it's probably isn't a very um, realistic career choice. (laughs) You know, maybe you should go into like they always like to push everybody into like counseling or you know, like something else. And I'm like, no, this is what I do. This is what I'm going to do. I'm a filmmaker. Um, you know, the the first time I uh, met the guy for the film school, the professor, he was like, "Do you know what the odds are for you making it? I mean, you know, women are the, you know, making in the film industry." And I said, "Well, screw you. I'm doing it anyways." Luckily, he was just testing me, and he did it with everybody. He would find out what their soft spot was and try to discourage them. Half the people would leave, um, and the ones that stayed are the ones he wanted because it, it is, you know, challenging. So you have to be uh, bullheaded and stubborn, I guess. So. Yeah.
0: Well, that's any part of this industry. You don't want to uh, you don't want to look at it, or you don't want to go into it with a faint of heart, because it's not easy for anyone.
2: Yeah, a lot of uh, rejection, you know, for actors, and yeah, you know, yep. uh, even, you know, getting your film distributed, there's, a, there's, you know, I, I, I heard um, a speech once by an Academy Award-winning producer um, who, Lily Zanuck, who had done um, Driving Miss Daisy, And it had been a popular play, and she was a Zanuck, right? Um, And she said it took her forever. She had to go outside of Hollywood and raise the money independently to get it made because nobody wanted to do a movie about a a black man driving an old lady around. And, of course, it won the Academy Award. It was this great film. And, And so I raised my hand, and I said, so the next time they believed you, right? And she's like, no. And I'm like, oh, that was horrible. But at least I heard that young, you know, coming into the business. and True. And, um, but, yeah, you just got to go for it. And hopefully we'll tell more stories that, you know, and I think now people are starting to get the message. When we started filming Cinemability, nobody was talking. When they talked about diversity and inclusion, we weren't even included in the corporate world. You know, we weren't disability wasn't one of those diversity areas. It wasn't included. And then slowly, it started to be, oh, yeah, and a couple years ago when Oscar had Oscar So White, they were talking about stuff and they didn't include disability. And people um, in the community brought that up. And now, uh, tomorrow, I'm doing a panel, and they're all about it. So they've um you know things are starting to i'm I'm always an optimist that you know we're going to uh, make progress and and uh, and things will get better
0: well that's good to hear i mean it, you know it is hard to constantly be hearing people talk about diversity and and disability not being included so it is good to hear that kind of in the background things are kind of moving forward and um yeah, I mean, it is something that we just need to keep our voices loud and and try to make sure people include us. Um, I have a
2: couple... i to do another plug for Black Magic, but... Oh, yes, please. Black- and I am a fan, and I went kicking and screaming, because I didn't want to learn another program after, you know, I started with Avid, then went to the Final Cut, then <clears throat> I switched to Premiere, and I'm like, yeah, oh, I'm not doing it again. But what Black Magic has done is it's Made it a level playing field that no one has an excuse not to get involved and learn the system and everything it can do. It's very powerful and it can make projects really uh, have an advantage. So yeah. I, I didn't get paid for that. Although if somebody wants to, then I'm happy to.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, and their their cameras are are so accessible. Like I think. They have some of the greatest cameras that are um, you know light and and easy to use and uh, yeah I mean cinema quality cameras that are are accessible so that's pretty exciting stuff.
1: two fiction films were on were on black magic yeah so.
0: uh, this is turning to a black magic commercial um, but <laughs> that's fine um, because they're amazing um so uh, we have a couple of questions from the audience that uh, I'd love to answer. Um, please discuss an authentic story about disability told by a person not living with a disability. Do we know, I mean, there's several that I, that I think films that yeah. are- good. I would say Ray, you know, Ray Yeah,
2: was, I mean, that was pretty well, solid other film. Side of the Mountain, which nobody remembers. Anybody remember Other Side of the Mountain? No. That's about Jill. Kilmont Booth. Uh, look it up. See if you can find it. Other Side of the Mountain, Part One and Two. I prefer okay. Part Two. It was so successful. It came out during Jaws. You'll, uh, you'll, if you watch Cinemability, um, you'll Cinemability: Art of Inclusion available everywhere. Uh, you'll learn all about it. I mean, other films that have good portrayals as well. Yeah, I'm just trying to think
0: of one. I mean. The the problem I feel uh, with a lot of the good ones that are out there are the people in them are not disabled, so that is a little frustrating. Um, that's, I guess that's a that's a conversation for a different. Well, was the question for a
2: uh, a true story or a narrative? It uh, uh,
0: it didn't say um just authentic story. So I guess um either. I mean, there's a lot of, there's, I mean, Crip Camp, obviously, is one of, is, should win an Oscar, because uh, it's one of the most brilliant stories, um, but that, I mean, that's a true story, and, but that was told, I mean, Jim was the director, so. In yeah, his he said,
2: the question is, what, not told by someone with a disability. Right. The reason I said Ray is that um, Taylor Hackford told that story. And told right, him, but that, <laughs> but, but then. Jamie
0: Foxx
1: is not disabled, so that's a little frustrating. Right, and I'll also give a poke that Crip Camp, Jim co-directed, Nicole Newnham actually is the other director, and she actually does not have a disability. Oh, yeah. What was actually really great, and this is one of those things that we you, we start to look for, is look for, um, especially in documentary, uh, more broadly, is, is folks, you can have folks without disabilities make a good disability film, just mm-hmm. like outside community, but the, the trick is, are these folks coming in, making films with the community, and they aren't being, like, extractive about it, right? Because we've seen that. They come in, um, and they'll do some sort of trauma porn, because, unfortunately, Baltimore, which is not far from me, has, has been a huge victim. of it. They'll come in and talk about oh, the streets of Baltimore, you know, the, the the horrible things going on there, ooh, and then they'll they'll film, they'll talk to me, and then they'll walk away. And and then there'll be all this stuff related to the film and the filmmakers, and nothing um, with the folks there, it wasn't done with them. So it's done with a very much this outsider lens. Um, and I, I think it's not actually not the first time Nicole has worked with outsider com- with communities. And so she's done a very good job with that. And so partnering her with Jim, working together, I think that's part of what made Kirk Camp so successful and where it isn't pulling out from the community, but it's actually kind of engaging and embracing and continuing to do that even after the making of the film, um, which is just which is harder to, hard to do. Um, so. Um, Yeah. Uh,
0: Also, um, there was a film that came out a couple years ago, I think, at this point, Um, uh, Peanut Butter Falcon, which was not directed by a person with a disability, but um, was made with the lead character uh, who has a disability. Um, Well, also Wonder, if you ever saw Wonder. Yeah, but that's also, that kid is not um, disabled. Um, Like he is in the movie, I guess, but uh, not... Played by, I don't forget who it was played by but Peanut um, Butter Falcon is uh, the lead character is actually authentically disabled and it's an authentic story and it's not I don't think it's an inspir- I mean it's it's a great movie I think that I, I would say that would probably be the one that I would think of most recently that was directed by um, an able body guy um, but mm-hmm. told an authentic story so yeah. uh, I,
1: I think, think that's that's there's this ongoing tension be- between the idea of all right, and, and we see this narrative in documentary. The idea of all right, or at least narrative in particular, all right, does uh, uh, are, is the is, is an authentic disability story? Does it talk about an actual um, life in a way that's realistic and meaningful, and not the over the top stereotypes? Uh, yeah. Actually, cast somebody with a disability in that role, and then the other thing is, is the is the is the crew, the director, the people who have the power. Mm-hmm the making of it have disabilities. And sometimes you'll get all three and sometimes you'll get one of the three or two. And then the question is, what are you able to live with? Um, and I think people have different things so that are fighting for. So to to uh, kind of put a frame around that, I
2: started, yeah, are you familiar with the, I'm sure you are, the Bechtel test? Bechtel, yeah. which I always pronounce her name wrong and I apologize, Bechtel test. Uh, but you all know what it is, right? Uh, are two women talking to each other about something other than a man in a movie. And most films fail. Uh, So I thought we should have a test for, for inclusion, disability, same kind of thing. So I started one that called the gold test, which you feel free to put it to any movie, but it started off originally, you can go to film threat and read about it, but um, it started off originally, like, is there a character who is three-dimensional and is authentic, who has a disability and everything failed. You know, it was like 99% didn't, so I had to lower the bar. So then we made it like a three-step test and, you know, it was 10 karat gold. Uh, Is there anyone anywhere in the background whatsoever with any sort of disability in the film? And then it was 14 karat gold. And that was: Is it a, a main character, and are they fully dimensional and not stereotypical? And a major part of the film. And then, Twenty Four character Gold was: Is that character also played by a person, an actor, with that same disability? Um, so he kind of gave it a three-tier uh, situation for it. And I'm—I'm um, I'm probably it's written clearer than I probably just stated, but uh, the idea was. To, to my thinking, even if it's not played by an actor with that same disability, if the story is authentic, that's a, a good step. And we shouldn't ignore those because there's so many that, you know, if we're not included at all, which, like I said, on on Hidden Figures and, and uh, Jurassic Park and so many others, if you're not included at all, then our, how do you exist in that World, how do people see you for the if you're going out for a job when they you know everything they see you're not existing? You know, sure. if you don't exist in, in media, you know, same thing you could say for news reporters and you know, um, other people that we see game. I for a long time I wanted to do game shows because you know, we I never saw myself represented in any game show ever. Yeah. I think they're starting to change, maybe. You know, um, I heard somebody was on *Price Is Right*. Uh, maybe who? Was oh yeah, right? she was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I missed that, but fine. <laughs> you know.
0: Um, she won a treadmill. Just as yeah, a, I remember that. The funniest thing of all time.
2: Hey, you know what? She, it's a start. You know, no,
0: I was super funny about it. She's great. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. It was, uh, sell that thing. Uh, make
1: some money,
2: but. Right. Uh,
1: yeah. You got to pay taxes on
2: it. Well, fair. I found him I want a car and couldn't drive it for five years because he had. But anyways, uh, we digress. Um, the uh, The idea is that the more, you know, we can see. So that's kind of why I did the gold test. So feel yeah. free to to put it uh, to work uh, on things that you see.
0: Yeah. Well, Connie uh, is making, who asked that question, uh, is making a, uh, uh, feature deck about um, a quad amputee, um, and she is going to use your gold test uh, for her for her feature, so that's pretty exciting. Uh, it's already in the works, Jenny. Uh, TM that thing. Um, all right, so we have one more question, and then uh, I think that would be towards the end. So, um, uh, do you think that um, a societal move to understanding the social model of disability versus the medical model would be beneficial in making art. Um, for the, can you, do either one of you, actually Day, you'd probably be the best one to, to do this. Um, can you explain the difference between the medical model and the social model? Because I don't think people really know what that means.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have this, I will give the explanations. I'm not, I, I'm one of these people who goes, I'm even not sure that it flies as well. Um, <laughs> as people think it does. Uh, so True. for years and years, the traditional model on disability is is, is what we're taught, um, let's say what's would be taught in medical school, it's a deficit. Uh, everyone in the world can hear, oh, but you can't hear, so you're missing something, right? So and, so the medical model works on the idea of deficit and the idea is the, you try to heal, um, try to mediate, try to, to find a way to get folks back to this belief of the, that there is a baseline normal, right? Um, and we'll all have questions about the idea of what is baseline normal at some point. Uh, the idea of the social model is the, is, is the concept that, um, that the disability isn't necessarily a deficit, but the way society actually treats um, folks with disabilities is what causes the deficit. So if we actually build more ramps in places, everybody would be able to get everywhere. So it's made by the society, not by somebody who might be using a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. So that, that's that's the that's what's um, what's what's spoken about as far as loosey goosey definitions of the of the two, at least. And I'll be honest, I'm being very reductive and very simple, um, but that's uh, that's it in short. No,
0: I think that you have to be. I mean, it's that's just kind of like a the, the, um, you know cliff notes version of of what we're talking about, um, just for people who don't know. Um, do you think that understanding that, that kind of difference would make, um, would change the way people approach stories, um, or approach narratives for disability stories?
1: So I I can tell you mine is, I'm like, "Eh." yeah, (laughs) and part of it is because you're at, and I'm like, and you can try, but I'm like, for the general public, it is a very big hurdle to push. And I'm I'm not sure I want to push. I'm like I don't want you to spend time worrying about different models and theories. I want you, and this is where I'm going to lean into what Jenny said. Talk about what's a good story, yeah. right? Um, part of the reason Ray was so much fun, right, um, was because it's not actually about blindness. It's about this freaking amazing musician who is a bit of an asshole, right? Um, and, and the racism and his time period and the women in his life and the drugs, it's about all these other things. Um, way back when, um, I love murder ball. It was like the first documentary, because if you look at it, it's not really about a, a bunch of guys in wheelchairs. Um, it's a, it's a sports documentary, right? There's the bad team. Here's the good team. Are we going to beat the team? <laughs> they're, they're not about disability, but they, they are, but they aren't, um, and those are the stories that make the difference. And that's not—I mean, you can argue social model, medical model—but it's about the stories. And those stories are, are kind of cool. Disability is a part of it, and it and it helps build the structure. But it's it's not about this person's disability and overcoming it because that becomes the core of who they are. Whereas these other stories, yeah, it's a part of who you are, but it builds into everything else. And that's what makes a good story that 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 works really well. Um, like if, if we had to go, all right, hey, can you name half a dozen of those overcoming stories? Well, I'm like, well, no, we know we've seen dozens of them. They're very popular on Lifetime as well, you know. But you don't Story. remember Yeah. But you don't remember any ones standing out as being an amazing film because they aren't. They're very one note, right? You overcome, you're done. They they fit the stereotype box. That's not that's not amazing storytelling. Amazing storytelling is where you get into these other things. So or be eaten by dinosaurs. Yes.
0: <laughs> that's the dream. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with that.
2: Uh, well, Jennifer, you know, uh, what, what people forget, like especially, um, you know, we don't think about our disability every day. And it's people, right. when the story is being told by someone who doesn't have a disability, they think that's what your main concern is. Yeah. But our main concern is love and work and, you know, what we're going to polish our nails with or what we're going to eat for dinner. You know, we're not thinking about disability. Do we think about it sometimes if we come up uh, against a hurdle? Sure. But, but that's not the focus because you're three dimensional, you know, you have a full life. I mean, look at uh, like Ben Lewin's films, you know, uh, the sessions and he is a filmmaker with a disability and he had to cast an actor with, who was able-bodied for that role for a lot of different reasons. One is funding, you know, funding is a big deal. And so, you know, but he hired a lot of actors with disabilities around that, you know, and that was a fantastic film about an interesting story that not necessarily uh, had, you know, he could have told it a lot of different ways, but he does it with a lot of humor and, and uh, captivates an audience. And that's what we want to do, you know, People are always shocked that, like, when they hear documentary, a lot of people are like, eh. when they hear disability, they run for the hills. And frankly, in the past, I would have too, you know? And so when I did some ability I wanted it to be fun. You know, Peter fairly told me I got more laughs than some of his uh, comedies. And I actually counted one day and I get like nine, which is important because I want you to get the message through enjoyment you know because you're not going to get it by taking a pill It's, on you know a lot of times you know we'll see something about someone who has some sad situation and it's you know you know that story of that you know situation without being a good entertainment you know if you want to reach people especially in a large scale outside of the community Although the communities were quite large, and it is hard to even, to you know, look, think of all the noise we have in the industry uh, that's trying to get our attention between social media and all the different channels that we have now to get stories out there, uh, so that we're included. You have to have a good story.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that um, th- we're we're getting towards the end, but I think that the um, I. think, that's kind of the point, right? Just make a good story, and then people will watch. <laughs> I, I think you know, don't focus so much on on whether or not it's passing. Um, uh, I don't, I don't know what I'm saying. Um, but just make a good story, and make something that you're proud of, and that you're interested in, and and that will come across as well. I think because right. you guys both made something that you're passionate about, and that you created art, and and it's beautiful and wonderful and fun to watch. So. You know, at the end of the day, just make something cool. Uh mm-hmm. what we're teaching you. <laughs> uh, Nothing else out of this panel, make something fun uh mm-hmm. with your 4K phone. Um, all right, great. Well, uh you guys both uh plugged um do you have anything else that you'd like to plug uh before we head out? Any final last words?
2: Just, you know, tell everybody to you know go to check out the gold test and put it towards your projects and then you'll be able to. You know. And where can yeah. they find that again? Um it was on uh, it's been articles in Film Threat Magazine. Film Threat, Film Threat, Threat. Magazine. All right. Go uh, look up the gold uh, test on Film Threat magazine. Gold test and hopefully it'll become a thing. To oh. thing. And if you haven't seen it, see Cinemability. It's available everywhere.
0: Every streaming service, right?
2: Yep. Great.
0: Love
1: it. Awesome. Uh Dang, how about yourself? I'm actually gonna give uh, one more for. So for those of you out there who who are making documentaries, thinking about making documentaries, just getting started, or just getting done with user experience, I'm gonna give a pitch for uh, Documentary Filmmakers with Disabilities. For Doc, there are 140 of us right now actually. And so our goal is to kind of grow and keep pushing. So we've been, we've been talking to folks at the International Documentary Association um, at Sundance at a variety of different groups saying, all right, what are you doing? One for access, but two also um, to with regard to connecting with networks, because I like what you said, Chan, go out and make it. But the second part of that is filmmaking is, is never really a solo thing, really. It's getting a good crew and people to, to join you in it. If, uh, you know, good film is, is a wonderful, wonderful um, team of people. Build that team because guess what? They will they will slap you upside the head when you start to do something stupid, right? And it makes sure that you guys get the best product um, out there. So um, come come join us uh, at Ford Doc, meet some peers, you know, network, get a chance to find some opportunities and also to get some folks who can help um, push you along the way.
0: That's such great advice. Yeah, find your tribe um, who will tell you when you're doing something stupid. Um <laughs> well, thank you both so much for being here. Um, thank you all for watching. Thank you, Black Magic Collective and Sigma. And uh we'll see you in 2021.